build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 137. We're recording this live July 5th, 2013. That's a Friday afternoon. My name, Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, home of the stunned Ottawa Senators. Boy, what a day. What a day. Asif, I hope your day is going better than ours. So far, so good. I'm on holiday tomorrow, so I'm just uh, in, in cruise mode here. Cruise mode. Um, wow. Yeah. Anyway. So this is a, yeah. Yes. Asif Khan, for those who don't know me, from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Yes. Located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, laughing hysterically at the fact that our captain has abandoned our ship. The Ottawa Senators uh, just announced recently, like moments ago, that the Senators lost the bidding campaign on Danielle Alfredson, he's going to Detroit apparently, and uh, it just re it's reminiscent of the good old days with Matt Sundin went to Vancouver and and didn't fare very well. So no. bad days, tough day in I Ottawa. Wish you, I wish you uh, better success though. Well, and then, uh, he, you know he's a 17 years he's played with the Senators, his entire career, 18 years, uh, his entire career, 14 years as the captain. I'm not sure what happened, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, um, that seems to be a fireable offense. Uh, if ever there was one, how do you how do you screw that up? But we're not here to talk about hockey, although it's in top of mind. We're here to talk about location-based marketing, pervasive computing, and this whole world that is emerging in this space, this global world. And we've got a, quite the show for you today. We've got uh, typical six stories, great resource. We've got um, a great uh, guest from Thumb Vista. It's uh, Lyndon Skeens, who is going to come in and talk to Asif um, uh, about their company, Thumb Vista. And uh, I've got a very, uh, I, I think, I don't know if this is a, uh, a bitch or a uh, complaint or a suggestion, but uh, my app observation, instead of an app of the week, it's an app observation. We'll jump into that. Is there anything going on with you at the Location-Based Marketing Association uh, over the next two weeks this evening? No, we're, we're actually finally in a quiet uh, quiet mode uh, for a couple weeks anyways. I'm off for uh, for the next couple weeks. We won't stop the show, of nope. course. We, we, we keep doing that, but... Uh, I've got one little uh, speaking thing coming up in the middle of the holiday. I get to go over to uh, the uh, Capitol Hill and talk to some, you know, NASA and DoD folks and talk about GPS and the role it plays in the consumer and marketer and brand stuff. So something like that. I don't know. Got to figure it out before you get there, though. Yeah, I'll figure right. it out. You got a long drive down there, anyways. Well, it's going to be well worth it. A worth worth the vacation. Uh, is a long time coming based on your travel schedule this past year, so I uh, can't wait to yes. have you unwind and, and, you know, go and play some golf. Exactly. Uh, well, good. So nothing going on, and uh, certainly there is uh, tons going on in this industry. And I want to start, uh, I just uh, spent um, um, a weekend camping. Uh, we go up uh, kind of yearly to this place called Palma Rapids. It's in it's in Ontario. It's up in the kind of upper Madawaska. It's a whitewater camp. Uh, so basically, you camp. It's car camping, and then we've got a great two shoots of rapids that we go through. A bunch of canoes. My brother organizes this all the time. And I was using my. Uh, I, I thought this would be a good test to take my uh, great iPhone here 
and test four different GPS applications uh, to get up there, get down, and use it while we're up there for any kind of hiking or anything that we were doing. So the test was this. I used uh, Waze, I used the Apple Maps, I used uh, Google Maps, and I used Navigon, which is a downloadable application that at one point I spent 100 bucks on, and I think now it's probably five bucks. But I used all four of those. Three of those, two of those don't have any offline access, right? So Waze and iOS uh, Maps do not have uh, offline access. Google apparently has offline access as well, or cached access. And Navigon is a complete downloaded solution. So you download the app, and then you download the province or the city or the country that you're interested in, in navigating to. And um, results should not be staggering for you guys here. But uh, I did this just for you, fine listener and you, Asif, and, and to see which one was the best one. And up in northern Ontario, north of, uh, you know, this little town called Griffith, in the middle of the woods, lo and behold, no signal. It's a shocker. I understand that. Most of Canada up there is not covered <laughs> at all. The outcome was, was painful to use all three applications except for Navigon, the one that was downloaded. And this is a huge, valuable lesson, is that it, all three of them could get me where I needed to go with relative ease. There was not a variance of time. They all took me down the same path, although the iOS app always wanted me to veer towards Eganville, which is which is an alternative path. But uh, Navigon, uh, iOS, Waze, as did uh, Google got me there uh, well. About uh, two hours into the ride, about half an hour away from uh, Palmer Rapids, all three that relied on internet access, done. Kaput. No access. Google Maps was the only one that kept me on a path, but if anything had changed, if I had stopped or wanted another destination, it was dead. Navigon, oh, he's like a workhorse, basically. Got me there because the maps were downloaded. Um, so that was one test. They all got me there in relative ease. While I was up there, we said, listen, I, we got to go into a town to get some groceries or whatever. So I punched them all in, obviously, into my all four of them. And the only one that functioned at that point was the offline map. This is logic. You guys know this. But the lesson is astounding here because despite a billion dollars being spent on Waze, this battle of the maps being put on by Google and, uh, and iOS and everybody else, without offline, without a connection, these things are useless and people use these. Lo and behold, when you travel in different countries or when you travel up north where there's no signals or anywhere where there's no signal, which it happens quite a bit, they are useless. They're bricked. They bricked my phone except for Navigon, which is a downloadable version. Uh, and I think that that is a very significant thing when you're building out your product uh, and it relies on location and it relies on people finding you via these other APIs, via the internet, is that you have to remember that there's a small portion, maybe 25% of the people that are going to be using this at some point are going to be in and out of connectivity. You have to give them an offering. You have to be able to enable them in it or else it ruins the experience. So I, I, I completely deleted Navigon until this point again. Now it is back to being my primary navigation source as opposed to Waze and as opposed to iOS and, and Google. And uh, it's because of that. It's because of the core offline. And, and, the, and the map for Ontario, they did it great. They took it and they broke it down by, by province. So you can get, uh, you download the application and then I can download the province that I want to, just the province. So just Ontario or just New York State that I want to navigate towards. And then I can delete it when I'm no longer, it's no longer necessary. It's a four, 40 meg download and it, became, it makes your life so easy because you don't have to worry about data charges or connectivity issues. And boy, what an experiment. Well, and, it, and it speaks to, I completely agree with, with your sentiment and it speaks to, you know, the, the fact that there's still a market for, you know, the old Garmin, TomTom, Tom, you know, device world. Yeah. In fact, I have a Garmin 
we're heading on the road trip on tomorrow. I spent like last night downloading the latest maps on my Garmin because You're going to the U.S. Exactly that, right? Yeah. I, I don't want to be spending time on on data roaming charges on my on my phone and this that and the other thing when I'm on the road. I still have my Garmin on because you know the the van that we that we're taking down doesn't have a built-in one. Um, so I still have that portable unit uploaded all and downloaded all the new maps last night, ready to go. So. Yeah, big difference. And uh, so for all of you guys that are out there that think that everybody's connected, think again. And uh, and well, there's it's great to have that social layer on top of all these maps and and places and businesses and everything that we talk about here. The number one thing that it has to provide if you're in this location business is location. And if you cannot connect to the Internet, and you cannot provide location. It, it, it falls at that point. And and especially what Asif said, you don't want to be going into the U.S. or if you're in the U.S. coming up to Canada and getting hammered by the cost of these Many people don't know that when they launch Google Maps or they launch iOS Maps or they launch any mapping, even Waze, is that it is a data-intensive application. So uh, do yourself a favor. Go find a standalone application if you're going to leave the country. But uh, that was my experience. And I don't think it was a shocker to anybody, but uh, it just shows you the uh, the importance of connectivity now. And if you don't have it, well, you're kind of screwed. So that's my app observation. That's 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 what happened this go. week. So very cool. And not so, not so cool, but I did get home on time and we had a great, 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 great time up there. Um, so if you're ever in the area, go up to uh, Palmer Rapids, northern uh, North Madawaska River. All right, so what do you say we jump into these stories? Asif, uh, we got some great, fascinating stories here, like unique stories. And, uh, and this first one involving Pinterest and Nordstrom is exactly what we've talked about many times on the show, is about this convergence of the digital world with, with, uh, with physical world and, um, you know, a, you know, providing access to products that people are interested in at the time of purchase in these uh, physical app, physical stores. So why don't you talk about Pinterest uh, working with Nordstrom? This is pretty cool. This this is really interesting because, I mean, so much of the focus around Pinterest has been the consumer experience and, and, and the use of, of Pinterest as a tool to, you know, take photos of things that you like, post them to boards, uh, you know, share them with other people and, you know, kind of, you know, that the, the viral social sharing aspect of what Pinterest is. But now, you know, like Pinterest is sitting there going like Foursquare that we'll talk about later, you know, we got to start making money off this thing. We got all these users, we got all these images, we got all these boards, that's great, but how do we start making money? And so uh, th this is an interesting partnership here, uh, Nordstrom being maybe the first of many brands to, to, to start, you know, kind of looking at all these items that have been pinned, are they sold in our stores? And how do we create, you know, that relationship between, you know, stuff that's popular in Pinterest that people have been pinning and, and the, the fact that that product's actually available for sale in my store. So what they've done is, is they've gone, they've looked on these boards and they've identified products that are available in their stores, uh, and there's some samples uh, in in some of the uh, the media around this, around shoes and things like that. And now, when you go into a Nordstrom store and you go to the shoe department and you you see a pair of shoes, right next to the pair of shoes is is you know the Pinterest logo right there, physically in the store, telling you that this is a popular item on Pinterest. Love it. That that that's really interesting. I mean, just the simple association of that logo. That's so well known within the consumer world, you know that Pinterest logo, and and telling you that not only might you like this pair of shoes, this is popular, you know, out there. Whether and you don't have to launch an app or do anything with your phone or anything, it's just it's just that association of logo, brand, and item 
all coming together, you know, and, and obviously you can go check it out afterwards and see, yes, it is on Pinterest, but, you know, they're, they're, they're taking, taking that, you know, stuff, whatever's popular on Pinterest and saying, hey, this is in my store. I can drive sales by making that connection. Let's do it. And the only piece missing for this, for me, is that really true location piece, which is that if I have on Pinterest, like that bag or like those shoes, then there's some way to close that gap with my local store saying, hey, we have that, we have that here. Yeah. Uh, come on in and, and, and get it because we noticed that, that you, you actually are one of the people that like this thing. So, Yeah, and I think that's the next step, right? It, it is, it's one thing, like, I mean, obviously any, any retailer who sees their stuff on a, on, on a Pinterest board can go and, and you, know, you know, create a, a tent card with the Pinterest logo and throw it beside the product in yep. the store, right? Um, but but the the connection, as you say, is is, is exactly that. It, it is you know to you know to when you go on the Pinterest site and you see that product, to then see the Nordstrom logo there that says, right. "Okay, go to Nordstrom," and you can see it there. And I think that's where the opportunities are gonna are gonna start to happen for for revenue stream for Pinterest. Isn't that funny though that that it's like it's Nordstrom leveraging the Pinterest brand, not Pinterest leveraging the Nordstrom brand. Like that's the that's the yep. shift that's here, and and what they say is that, um, you know, when it comes to the Nordstrom social channels, four and a half million people follow Nordstrom on Pinterest versus two just over two million on Facebook and less than a million on on Twitter. So this is a huge channel, more than two times the activity or the uh, the number of followers than than Facebook. So Nordstrom understands this as a very 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 relevant social channel for them, and I, and I think it's. You know that that tie-in is 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 going to be great. And if you're not doing this, if you're a business and you're selling a product that is popular on Pinterest, do is exactly what Asif just gave you a great strategy, which is just put the Pinterest logo right next to it, and it'll go. That brand recognition yeah. will go very far in helping you sell those products. And and that's just a little bit of strategy right there. Free. We should have charged for this episode. Free. There you go. Well, I think that's more of this is going to happen. This uh, cross, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Shopify doing the Popify, which is the pop-up store bringing their e-tailers in for doing real, real-time, um, mm. you know, in, in a real bricks-and-mortar store for the first time for many of them. And yeah. uh, this crossover is bound to happen. And in fact, Harley. By the way, while, while you mentioned yeah. Shopify, I didn't bring it up last week on my sort of recap from Asia uh, experience. But um, when I was over there, the first thing that happened to me was. I was in this session with uh, with all these uh, companies from Canada that were with me, and all the trade commissioners, and and all these government officials, and people from Singtel and Starhub, and all this kind of stuff. And the guy from Singtel got up and gave his presentation on the, kind of the future of mobile and location and where they were going. And the, and almost I think like in, in the first five minutes of his presentation was, and we just signed this deal with Shopify. And uh, we're going to be rolling this thing out. So there you go, yep. like North American technology, you know, making its way, you know, across the pond into uh, into Singapore. In this so case. small worlds, it would have been Harley Finkelstein that was in that room as they made that announcement uh, with Singtel, and he was just yeah. he was doing a European tour. And if you watched the episode last week or two weeks ago when we talked about the smog that had descended on Singapore. It was Harley's photo that I used. He was there at the same time as you were. So it's yeah, uh, you know, it's always a small world when it comes to this this industry. But uh, yes. All right. All right our, our second story here, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Google flying uh, balloons up into the stratosphere to offer Wi-Fi to underprivileged or underconnected countries or emerging economies. How about a, uh, an e-tailer or a retailer flying balloons to give Wi-Fi for coupons in Korea? Uh, same, same impact? <laughs> totally different objective. Yeah, but um, the flying devices, and, and, the flying and, and, store, and different impact, much much smaller scale. But uh, <laughs> so we're we're talking about eMart, 
And uh, eMart is, uh, and their agency, Chael, which is constantly driving innovation. So eMart are the guys who, um, you know, kind of uh, did the QR codes uh, in public spaces generated, you know, where the blacks in the QR codes were generated by shadows from the sunlight. Uh, same agency, same brand that did that. Uh, now what they're doing is, is they're flying um, basically balloons um, over public squares again in shopping centers and, and, and you know, in, in train stations and wherever they can. Uh, these balloons have Wi-Fi uh, routers built into them. And so they encourage you, as you see the thing, to connect to the Wi-Fi uh, that's, you know, in, in this moving balloon. Uh, and when you do so, um, it basically gives you uh, deals and, uh, and coupons and stuff uh, on your on your phone uh, that you can then redeem either in there. Uh, you can shop online directly from 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 the experience. So they have a, a big uh, Emart has a big online store, um, and the way their online store works is is you know like a lot of grocery, um, you order your products and it's delivered to your house and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they also have vouchers uh, that you can download in this experience that you can then go in physically into the store and redeem. And uh, some great numbers from this already. So you, maybe you can share that. Yeah, they were talking about uh, the impact of this has been staggering. Like, you know, at, at first blush, I thought, oh, my God, like, uh, you know, having this balloon, they basically covered all of South Korea, right? Like they've flown everywhere in all these yeah. different locations. It's, 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 it's so fascinating. And and um, but people connect and they download an application and, and they go through this. But the numbers are amazing. Uh, and they said that their the eMart's uh, sales on eMart store, while well, they've been doing this, have increased 157 percent. And in-store sales uh, with these redeemable vouchers that Asif was talking about is is up 9.5 percent as a result of this idea. You know, so at first you think, oh, this is this is silly. But uh, and, and in the second blush is that, well, silly sometimes leads to good revenue. And, and what we're talking about yeah. here is an increase. And so yeah. and, and they had the same kind of, you know, not the exact same numbers, but same kind of impact off of the QR, shadow QR code campaign and others. I mean, you know, either either, you know, people just love Emart or, you know, Koreans just love crazy stuff or like like this and and, and are, you know, like like these fun, you know, uh, experiences and, and embrace them. One or the other, or both. I mean, uh, this stuff is working. Well, it's good on them. Like that—that's the kind of. This is the kind of innovation that that we, we'd have to see. And I mean, I've never seen one of these little flying stores floating around, right? But uh, you know, they, they said that people want to go to eMart. It's like a like as you would uh, associate with a name like a Walmart type of store, where it's it's a yeah. discount store for lower income. Yeah. And uh, but people are just they they never get there. They go and buy the product from a local like a corner store and pay a premium. And and so. By incentive, adding an incentive like this, discounts or coupons to be able to drive people into the stores, people are actually going in. And, and when you talk about redeeming coupons or being able to buy on the spot, uh, it makes a big difference. I mean, conversion uh, is very important at the point at, of inference, right? Which are the point of influence where you where they're thinking about it, get them to buy. And that's what these guys are doing. So uh, very cool. Emart, the flying store in South Korea. Why, why don't we see this kind of stuff? In, would, it, would this work in North America? Or, yeah, I think so. I think in certain markets like uh, New York and, uh, you know, you fly this over Times Square, people will do I, it. I don't I know. Mean, I think people would duck or shoot it down. <laughs> I don't Come think on. so. Come like, on. I don't what think so. What is that? I mean, you need, you need, a, you need a couple thousand permits to, to get the thing exactly. that happened, first of all. But um, I, I think in certain markets this would work in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, oh. For sure. I think about like uh, so uh, Macy's uh, uh, Labor Day Parade, right? Which would be what I think would be the perfect opportunity to do something like this because you've got all these brands on display. 
do something like this within the the um, uh, you, you know the exhibits or the floats so that you could actually then sell direct or do something with it is yeah. you know down get people to download coupons from the Macy's Day parade uh, uh, floats or something to that extent I, there's there something there I know that there is but um, and all inspired by Emart the flying store in South Korea we can learn a lot from what's going on outside of our own little boundaries absolutely all right so you know what? There used to be this thing called an address, Asif, where I'd, you know, I'd type in an address and I'd say, like, this is where I need to go. And then, uh, but before that, there was even like a longitude and latitude. Uh, when I was using uh, Google Maps, the early editions of the API, you actually had to convert that yourself. You had to go to these services to be able to type in an address and then uh, it would output a, a longitude and latitude. And that's what you would use in Google Maps and the API. So there was all of this kind of stuff. Then uh, people realized that it's very difficult to remember addresses or, uh, you know, bar names or restaurant names. So this company uh, that is our third story, which is what three words is basically creating a DNS system for postal codes or for location. Uh, so instead of remembering an address, you have to remember three words, random three words. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, this is really interesting. So they, they basically, uh, as they've described, taken the entire globe and broken it into 57 trillion three-meter squared boxes. 57 trillion. Uh, and, and each of these boxes is, is denoted by three, three unique words from the English uh, dictionary. What, what, uh, intern, so what intern had that job? <laughs> That's a terrible job. <laughs> I, I'm hoping they use some kind of randomizing you know, uh, engine. I've been working this, on this for 19 years. In, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I punched in the LBMA office, and so our our address is Speech Lobster Trumpet. Speech Lobster Trumpet. I like it a lot. It's yeah. Well, speech uh, is accurate. Trumpet is accurate. I'm not sure where the lobster comes in. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, anyhow, um, it's an interesting premise. I mean, basically, what they're suggesting is is that. Um, you know, post inefficiencies in the postal code system in, in terms of, you know, a, a new business gets set up, um, you know, it takes a while for postal codes to get assigned, you know, and things like that in, in some cases, you know, or especially when new, new subdivisions are built for houses and things like that. Uh, so there's a time lag issue that uh, can be addressed by a system like this is, is one argument. Uh, the second argument, obviously, is uh, GPS itself uh, in terms of latitude and longitude. Um, isn't as accurate as this or isn't as finite as this. Now, that will change. Uh, in fact, the conference that I alluded to earlier that I'm going down to speak uh, at in, in, uh, in about a week, um, part of that is is, is the entire uh, GPS uh, system that's out there today, the, 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 the satellites that are out there today that we use for GPS uh, are being upgraded and the accuracy will, will improve significantly. So, uh, but currently, there is a uh, you know there's a gap there of of, uh, of accuracy, so, so you know there, there there is some value to this. I mean, I question how you can go about you know how you go about marketing this and whether you know this is something that uh, you know brands and 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 you know businesses in general uh, are are even going to be willing to consider. Yeah, I mean, their business model is to charge you about a buck fifty uh, to um, instead of going to three words to you know solidify a location with one word, uh, but they yep. control it and and like it harkens back to the early days of the the domain name system, which was you know yep. you had uh, uh, groupings of numbers that was how you routed uh, to websites, and then that's obviously not something that everybody wanted to remember, so they went to the DNS. 
And we talked about maybe early, early, early in this show, maybe in the episodes yep. 30, around that range, where we talked about a company that was very interested in becoming the domain name service for location by doing something uh, similar to this. And uh, we haven't heard from those guys again since those days, which was almost two years ago. So I, I, I like this. and uh, But we, you know, I, I still think that it, this is an interim solution because you've got companies, and I'm not saying that these guys win, but you've got companies like Twist that obfuscate location completely and just put, you know, uh, I invite you to my to our meeting and then it roots you to that place, um, you know, without me telling you where that location is. I say, look, I'm going to John's diner and, uh, you know, Pete is coming with me. So I invite Pete into the thing and then uh, and then he doesn't even it doesn't matter that he does. He doesn't need to know the location. He just follows it on a GPS. Right. So. Like when you get into that, and I'm sure that there's going to be a point in time when Google Maps or iOS Maps or any of the other mapping software are going to be so social that uh, I can invite you to a location if we're going to be going to the same place. I don't have to uh, send you a coordinate or an address. And I think that that kind of makes this not relevant. But in the interim, I think it's, I mean, it's it's fine. It's not something that I would use, though, I, I find. Um, but I like the thinking that, listen, it's time to rethink the way that we look yeah. at location. Yeah, and, and you know, back when we when we talked about this issue a couple of years ago, and, and and from the LVMA's perspective as a as a right. nonprofit body, we were we were talking about you know putting together a system around this. But for us, it, it, the it, it's it's wider than just businesses and things like this. You know, I mean, when I look at it, it, it's it's about every object out there being geo tagged and addressable, yeah. Yeah. right? And, and and so, for example, it's not just to say. And the reason we brought up the issue back then was, is well, you, you had a growing number of systems all logging businesses and places, if you will, in, in databases and storing them in proprietary formats. So Foursquare has their database, and a lot of that content is user-generated. Then you got Goala had their own, Facebook has their own, Google has their own, et cetera, et cetera. And all of them treated as proprietary, no sharing, no common domain registry for those places. That's a problem. So now you have a system like this. But if you expand it even beyond just buildings, right, and you start to say, well, in our world of, of connected media, well, the billboard itself that happens to be across the street from that building should have an address. Yeah. What is it? Right? So if we can bring that, I, I like the thinking, like you, and if we can bring the accuracy down to a meter, which is what they're talking about if you buy the single word uh, thing, uh, so we can name that billboard, you know, based on this this thing. Um, that's interesting. But where's the, you know, where's the sort of API that allows for you know, sharing and interaction with all the other systems, right? That's, you know, what we need to get. To. And there hasn't been a solution for that yet. Because if you use something like Foursquare to find a location, uh, and it's so user generated that look that spot that you're trying to get to can be on any of one of the four corners based on yep. who puts it in there and based on accuracy of GPS. And and so you're right. There's no data normalization across all of these location databases. And that is a yeah. big challenge. And if if this is a, a derivative or a form of, of what these guys are doing can can facilitate that. That could win, yeah. but I don't. I'm not necessarily sure that there's a but revenue model. You can't have the the issue is, and you know, we've we've tried, you know, like to bring. We yeah. we, we actually put we, we held a meeting, uh, you know, two years ago with Google, Yahoo, Yelp, Facebook, Foursquare, all in the room together, moderated by me, uh, you know, and others, and and said this is the issue. You all have proprietary systems. What can we do to kind of harmonize and bring this stuff together? Everybody agrees with the notion. Nobody wants to do it. Yeah. 
because in, it, it, the business models are all there. And here you have another one that has a business model. It's a commercial, you know, entity here that has to make money somehow. You know, unless this is done by third-party, nonprofit, you know, unbiased group, it doesn't it doesn't no, work. No, this is going to so, be a challenge, and and uh, you never want to be the company that that does this tries to make a business model out of it and fails, but builds a database and then uh, and everybody else leverage it. And that's what we saw with Foursquare. That's what you see with all these location guys that, that don't have a business model or a revenue model associated with it. They're doing yeah. greater, they're doing something for the greater good, not the, the best for their bank accounts. Yeah. But the notion of what, what, uh, what these yeah. guys are doing is yeah. awesome. I love it. Um, so, you know, kudos to them for trying to do that. Um, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, we can do guys, if you're listening, just support yeah. it. We're We'd there. love to reach out. What three words.com. That's what the number three words.com. If you're interested in it. And uh, I just pulled up Yankee stadium, for example, and it's a uh, potato gently unique uh, potato gently unique. I should have just be like Derek Jeter rules, but uh, <laughs> all right. So those are the first three stories. Uh, we are going to pause for a moment and uh, dive into a conversation that uh, that Asif had with um, Lyndon Skeens from Thumb Vista. You want to set this up, Asif? Yeah, uh, you know, Thumb Vista is a, a relatively new player on the block. Uh, sat down with uh, Lyndon Skeens. He's the uh, the founder uh, of, of this company and talked about you know they just launched a new platform. Talked about you know, offers and, and uh, you know, a bunch of things evolving around the offer, uh, location-based offer uh, ecosystem. And uh, so here it is, Lyndon Skeens. Well, it's that time uh, again where we get to bring on a special guest. And this week it's Lyndon Skeens, who's the owner and founder of Thumb Vista. Lyndon, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Well, thank you for having me. So, as we normally do, for those who aren't familiar with Thumb Vista, uh, you've been in the news a little bit lately uh, with a new product, but who are you guys? Uh, we are a mobile marketing and advertising company. Um, our latest specialty is a dashboard we developed for location-based messaging. Um, some of the latest enhancements that have been in the news have been uh, the added demographic targeting. So, not only can... Um, the users of our dashboard uh, geofence and send a location-based message, but also now they can send a little bit more targeted based on certain demographics that they place in to an opt-in form through our dashboard. Okay, so you're not uh, like every other geofencing location-based targeting coupon platform out there. The key for you is the demographics piece, is that right? That's the latest enhancement and that's what sets the differential of of what makes us a little bit different than than everybody else, and and so what what's your what's your background in the space? What prompted you to create Thumb Vista in the first place? Um, it initially came about as um, I worked with a marketing and advertising team for a, a consulting company. We developed uh, mobile marketing for um, small to mid sized businesses, and just the need for a more targeted message has been out there. So. Uh, first, with the location-based messaging and geofencing, uh, just to deliver a real-time, um, relevant message uh, to consumers, and then uh, just made sense to make it even more targeted. Um, that way, it's even more relevant for both the business owner, uh, which would be the marketer, the sender of the message, and then the receiving end of it. Um, the more relevant the message, obviously, the more effective 
uh, we feel, and um, and that's what really the consumer is looking for. Um, is you know they don't mind getting mobile coupons and mobile messaging just as long as it's relevant to them. And uh, what makes it more relevant than um, you know something with uh, particular to their demographics and particular their location at the time they're they're at that location. Cool. Now you're based in St. Louis, Missouri. Is that right? Correct. Is that uh, w what's the community like there around uh, mobile and tech startups uh, in this space? Is it is there a burgeoning scene uh, happening there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, St. Louis has been recently in the news of being a, um, a, a fastly growing tech city. Um, we have you know different different um, technologies emerging. Um, there is you know some indoor uh, messaging. Uh, and geofencing uh, companies here, uh, as well as as us at Thumb Vista, and um, you know we do see you know the Midwest growing in that regards, along with obviously um, Chicago. Um, obviously, it's a little you know definitely on the West Coast is is going to be um, a little bit more ahead of the game, but uh, we definitely feel that we're we're growing and and um, becoming a, a force to be reckoned with in the technology game. And um, help me out here a little bit. So, so, so much of, of the, uh, you know, what we cover at the LBMA and, you know, what we see in the news, you know, in, in things like Mobile Marketer and Giga Home and, and uh, you know, some of these publications are what, what the big brands are doing uh, in leveraging location-based, you know, platforms. But, you know, you're, you're coming at this from the small, you know, medium business segment. Is that... Uh, is that a segment that you would say is still underserved? That, like, there's still a lot of opportunity for uh, you know for you and for others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially the mid-size. Um, you know, if, if you do have multiple locations, but yet you're still a local type um, company, uh, there's definitely the users that that would love to be able to engage with you um, at the right time in the right place. Um, so we feel that. Definitely, that there's a the way to capitalize on that. Uh, the big brands are, are obviously just now getting into it as well. So um, I feel that that we could help both um, both big and small companies alike. Um, but uh, you know, when it comes down to the mobile user, um, the mobile user doesn't necessarily if if the message is going to be beneficial to them. Um, they don't necessarily care if it's going to be a big brand or a local company. If it's relevant, it's relevant. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it, it, always about relevance and value uh, to the to the uh, to the end consumer. Um, you know, is it, it, and if you can meet that that sort of base level equation, then you know the, there's a certain level of acceptance, I guess, uh, from the consumer in in, in uh, wanting to receive those kinds of uh, communications and offers and such. So the, um, you know, as you're going out knocking on doors and, and talking to people about your platform and stuff, you know, paint for me just a picture from your own perspective of, you know, what else are people looking for in this space beyond, you know, being able to better target and per, per, provide something that, of relevance? Is there other complementary technologies that you see yourselves partnering with or adding in the future, payments or you know, anything like that, for example? Um. Yeah, I have been approached by um, different types of media um, in regards to location and uh, the messaging type services. So not necessarily just linking to a coupon, but it could be linking to um, audio. 
Um, So, for instance, uh, could be some form of audio messaging or even video messaging. Um, This could be a good fit with. um, That's just one thing that comes to mind. Um, I I think that the the space itself is going to be constantly evolving um, over the coming months and even, you know, even further than that. Um, But that's, you know, that's, you know, where, where it is right now with, with social media um, and working together with location-based services, uh, it just, you know, there's, there's constantly new things coming about that I think is going to be beneficial to the end consumer. Excellent. Well, again, for our audience, we've been chatting today with uh, Lyndon Skeens, who's the owner and founder of Thumb Vista. Lyndon, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and sharing uh, some insights and, and telling us a little bit about your platform. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So again, thanks to uh, Lyndon for uh, for coming on and sharing with us. We really appreciate that. Uh, sorry we couldn't get all the video working out, uh, and we had to go with with the audio this time. But uh, we appreciate uh, your time, anyways. Yes, thank you, Lyndon, very much for participating in this week in location based marketing. If you're interested, go to thumbvista.com. That's thumbvista.com. Thanks, thanks, Lyndon. All right, back into the stories here, uh, Steve. Uh, this is, you know, we have. A revolution is happening in retail as a result of location and as a result of the kind of the um, democratization of the technology that used to be very expensive, that could be that was very limited in use because the setups were very expensive and extensive. And now, like all it takes is a, like a laptop and a uh, you know a modified uh, um, uh, Xbox Connect, and all of a sudden you've got something that looks at, at uh, shopping behaviors. This is a company called Shopperception. That that takes 3D models based on all this stuff and does what with it, man? This is this is this is far out stuff that I, a year ago we would never have been able to do inside of store. No, I mean we, we talked a lot about the uh, the market around indoor indoor location and analytics and and how how important that's going to be and how much retailers are are already embracing it. Um, and just to you know comment on on the globalization of of all this stuff and location, this company Shop Reception is in Argentina. Okay, so you know it, this stuff is everywhere, guys. And so, what these guys have done is, is they've taken some technology from a company called Prime Sense. And Prime Sense are the guys who actually developed the uh, the sensors in the Microsoft Connect uh, technology. So all that stuff that detects, you know, our movements and our gestures and all that stuff in Connect that we love, uh, for those of us who who use it uh, or, or play games on it or anything like that, that was developed by a company called Prime Sense and. PrimeSense didn't stop with Connect. They've continued to evolve their technology. Uh, you know, new 3D uh, sensors. Uh, you know, uh, they can measure much smaller movements now uh, than they than they could with the original Connect stuff. Greater, much greater accuracy. Um, and, and you know, because of that, um, the way that PrimeSense works is they open up their their technology, or license their technology, and SDKs and, and things like that. They're they're not a, a brand that people know. They're a uh, an enabler. And so Shop Reception took that technology and basically have, have created a, a platform for retail applications around that. And a lot of the indoor stuff we've talked about up until now is really based on Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or tracking movements of people in the store. This stuff is all about understanding when somebody's standing in front of a shelf and looking at a specific product. So they know using this technology, you know, that you just picked up that box of cereal. That's how accurate this kind of stuff can be. Um, which is amazing, and and, and when they, when that happens, they can then present you, you know, with an offer to influence a purchase decision, you know, to actually 
buy that cereal or buy the competitor's brand or whatever the case might be. But we're talking about finite um, you know, engagement models based on exactly what you're looking at or exactly what you're picking up uh, from a shelf. So this is shelf level indoor location. Is there, is, is there an easier way to do this than other, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that this is complicated, but you know, to, to outfit an entire store with this would be a challenge, I would say. Like this is a prototype of, of technology and until you're gonna, gonna get a macro view uh, of how to do this, um, this is aisle by aisle. But I, I'm wondering if there's a way that, that you can do this. Like is there, a, like RFID tags that uh, detect motion of a can that's cheap enough, right? So that you know they're they're tenths or hundreds of pennies to potentially yes. I, I mean I, I I don't know what the costs are around yeah. this yet. I haven't had a chance to talk to these guys, yeah. but um, I, I, I would think it's it, it's not that expensive at this point now. I think that you know technology has come down significantly around this, and you know the way they're doing it today. Obviously, you know this is in pilot modes. They, they've been testing with Walmart. They've been testing with Heineken and others. Um, you know, but ultimately, if this if the model is successful, what will happen is is the technology will be, just be built into the shelving itself. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. It, it, so it becomes part of the way you know when 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 Walmart goes out and buys its new retail shelving, they're going to buy shelving that already has this stuff. Gotcha. So it becomes a smart shelf. It's not you know something that we have to bolt on, you know, uh, you know for for every aisle and every this and, and that. So you know, for me, that's how it evolves. It, based on success, obviously, and, and um, you know, uh, who knows yeah. at this point. Uh, that's, that's an interesting thing, right, is that as, as retail changes completely, and we, we, we often talk about this, um, you know, we, we, our first story was about Pinterest and Nordstrom and the fact that Nordstrom was leveraging Pinterest and not the other way around. Um, but as retail changes and the structure of a store changes and, and you know, the psychology of buying changes and, and what influences us change and the fact that we can make decisions in the store and all the time we're always deciding on product, whether we're going to buy or not, we're doing all the research from the device. All this has a huge impact on those on the way a store is laid out even today. And, and they're trying to adjust it, but they're not doing a great job of it because, you know, you used to buy, you know, have a premium for the eye level shelves, but now you can influence a low level, a low shelf or a high shelf yeah. buy based on an app or something like that. So all of this is playing in, into this and, and it's very interesting how they can influence decisions, buy decisions based on this stuff. So who knows what a shelf looks like in, in, in five years from now, yeah. but certainly the technology, it's interesting that you think about that is that it's not the store that interacts with you, it's the shelf. And the shelf is the technology conduit for all of these things and all the products and it's done by weight or sensors or whatever it might be. But this, we're just entering this, this era of uh, unfreaking believable that's kind of like the the tagline of what's happening in retail, uh, and especially with yeah. the technology. Oh, I love this opportunity. Uh, huge. Yeah. You know, it's nice to see that. You know, for me, I've I've always been uh, a proponent. When you know, when I think when I when I first saw Connect and I started playing with it uh, and, and all that kind of stuff, you, you know, the the wow factor was one thing, but you know, from a gaming perspective, that was interesting. But for me, you know, if I if I was running Microsoft, I'd sit there and go. You know, forget about the mobile phone. Like you know, we lost that. Just like BlackBerry lost that. You know, <laughs> that's done. It's it's an Android iOS. World. Right now it is. So, but, but but the one thing Microsoft had was this Connect thing that I saw was you know for me was you know the commercial applications around that stuff like this. Um, you know, and 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 building Connect into digital screens when somebody's standing in front of a screen and being able to change the content on the screen, all that kind of stuff is the future of retail for me yeah. right all that gesture based you know everything um 
I don't know. Well, I see it as well. Like but, you're absolutely right. Why aren't they baking uh, the Kinect technology into rearview mirrors of cars? So uh, they'll detect. You want to you want to eradicate texting in cars? Uh, do an automatic detect that as my head goes down or my eyes go away or glaze over yeah. or I fall asleep, something happens. Instead of putting the divots in the side of the road... Rob, stop giving all our ideas away, this, man. This Come is on. The, How are we going to make some money? Hey, listen, you can donate. Just send us a buck. <laughs> uh, sponsor the show. Sponsor, the, sponsor show. the show. Okay, so if you're interested in that, it's Shopperception, like Inception, but Shopperception.com. Uh, Go and take a look at them. Shopperception. Uh, interesting technology, in, interesting application, and if you are entrepreneurial in any way, you will look at this and think, oh my God, I can do this with this and this and this, as we've just spent the last 15 minutes discussing. So shopperception.com from Argentina. All right, so we're going to go from Argentina. How about up to up, up to Germany, right? Uh, up, to, up to Germany. By the way, there's a lot of Germans in Argentina. Oh. I don't know what that connection is, but we'll. Uh, anyway, it might be the climate. Over to, right? yeah, over, to, over to Germany now. I don't know how to say this properly, but it's. I'm going to go with YY instead of Wee Wee, because, or maybe I should do Wee Wee because it's funnier. But uh, YY yeah. uh, working with uh, with Vodafone on, I guess what Vodafone and what they're thinking as the second screen experience around advertising. Um, we may have opposing views of this. Why don't you introduce this and then we'll have a uh, conversation around this this evening. Yeah, so this is a Germany-wide cross-media campaign is what they're calling it uh, for Vodafone. So Vodafone, uh, like any big brand, you know, invests a lot of money in TV commercials. And what's happening here is, is YY, uh, I'll, go, I'll go with that too, um, they, they partnered up with, a, with another company called RevCloud, which is a real-time ad bidding platform. And essentially, the way this works is, as you're sitting there watching TV and you've got your tablet or your phone beside you and you're on a, a website or where, you know, whatever you're doing on, on, your, on, your, on, on your mobile device, um, the, they, they've built a system that basically can detect what you're watching that the Vodafone commercial just showed on, on the television set. And then using the real-time bidding platform through RevCloud, they they can then deliver a Vodafone ad onto your mobile uh, device while you're watching TV. So you have this simultaneous uh, advertising experience between two platforms. And it's not app-specific is the way I understand this. So it's not like you have to have a specific app like Shazam um, or, or something like that you know, to engage with the TV. It's real-time bidding across the Red Cloud platform. So as long as the apps or the mobile sites or whatever that you're interacting with on your mobile device are part of the RevCloud ecosystem. They can deliver this this synchronous ad, if you will, for Vodafone in this case to your to your mobile device. Now, which is pretty do cool. Do you know if they're if they're displaying the same ad? Like you know No, I don't think so. I think it's it's a mobile optimized So ad. it's not like you got the commercial in front of you and then you're gonna get the same commercial so it might just be they're outfitting the page, you'll see a banner ad with that with for for the uh, the ad that yes. you're watching, right? So it complements it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, this is this must be like you love this because it's a like it's a brand play. Brands are trying to figure out how to extend that relationship from the, what they call the primary screen, which is the television screen, into that yeah. second screen experience, and um, it, it's it, it becomes a one it's a one directional tool. Television, it's outdated, it's outmoded, it's uh, it's like a legacy system of of broadcast. I shout at you, you listen. 
if you want to watch the rest of the television show. I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting play, um, and I think that there may be a there may be an opportunity here, uh, a short period of opportunity as the advertising world transitions from realizing the fact that that television is not the first screen or the primary screen; it is now the secondary screen, and the 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 device that is in front of you or with you at all times is your primary screen, and that is slowly transitioning. People still call it second screen, but I look at the television as a second screen, right? Uh, my interactivity happens on the device, not with the television. Yeah. And, um, and I'm very selective about what I interact with or who I interact, uh, interact with. One company's got to come up with a way so that whatever I'm doing on here complements, I get an ad on the television. That is the killer application, right? Is that, you know, don't broadcast to me. You never watch television. Though. What's that? Yeah, I so said you have to watch television for well, that. Guy. You know what? Maybe I would. Who who knows? Uh, you you know. Yeah. But there is. A... I, to be honest, I mean, like other than sports, yeah. running in the background while I'm working on TV, which I do do all the yeah. time. All the time, uh, too. You know, most of the TV that I watch now is you know is is pre-recorded. Yeah. yeah. Right. Without ads. Without ads at all. Yeah, well, in some cases they they don't let you skip the ads, right? So you have to sort of fast forward through them. Anyway. Well, here's a like you know you can you can go onto the uh, on demand on Rogers or whatever you're doing, right? Is that is that uh, it's it's stopgap, it's gap filler for me, and and um, that's what television is when I've got a, a moment of downtime, um, or else I'm a binge watcher like with uh, the Walking Dead. It's like I can't get enough yes. of that show. But Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, right? A lot of people do that, and and um, Arrested Development, and all these ones that came out like you just binge watch, and and there's no there's no time for ads because I got to get them done. I'm on a, I'm on a deadline, but so I, I'm looking at this as as you know I can understand why YY and Vodafone and uh, and real-time bidding, uh, so this RevCloud company, and, and we're trying to figure out how to engage on this. And I get it, I get it, I get it. But it's like we're, we're taking an existing, um, I don't know, an existing legacy service, and we're trying to make it work in this new world. And it, it just, it, to me, it doesn't fit. It's like we're still trying to broadcast. And I think that what you really should be doing is looking at this device as the primary screen and figuring out how, how you can get this to to enable conversation and also broadcast out to the television. I know it's next to impossible to do that, mm. but that is because this this way of unidirectional broadcasting out from the television screen and then trying to get that message on a device inadvertently without anybody's interest. I'm not interested in the ad most of the time, right? It doesn't really, it's not targeted to me. It's not tailored to me. So turn that around and and look at it from the device outwards and it's going to change people's perspective on what that television can do and if there's a way to do that man i am all for that yeah. i believe in that because this knows well, more about me for me one of the simple things that you know i wish we had uh, and, and we don't yet is you know like if i've got if i've downloaded something or i'm doing something on this on my phone right um you know i'm watching a video on youtube or or whatever it is i would love I would love to be able to, you know, because of screen size limitations, I'd love to be able to walk up to my TV and just flick it, you know, from my phone onto the TV screen and all of a sudden be consuming that content on a bigger screen. Well, they do that with Apple TV now, right? Yeah, no, I know, right? But but it's, it's the use cases are so limited today, right, around that, right? And, 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 and specific to content, too. Yes, yep. So uh, for me, like, you know, the whole idea of projection in a mobile device, I can't wait. I can't wait till like just walk up to a wall and just go like this, and everything off my phone is now on the Can wall. Can you imagine what the that would do? Like you know, certainly with with this YouTube generation of uh, of small uh, indie uh, developed television shows or serials or even like this this show right here that we're producing here. 
is that uh, this could be the future broadcasting in that mechanism, right? As opposed to actually going to a network. And, and so I think just like the gas companies, the big gas companies are not going to let, uh, you know, uh, rechargeable cars uh, really prosper simply because there's too much at stake. Uh, the same thing when I think about the television networks. They're trying to cling on to an old business model and, and yeah. an old revenue model that at some point, just like the newspaper industry, is going to hit them square in the face and they're going to be like, what happened? And uh, why, 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 why are we in decline? Why are we going bankrupt? And, and it's going to be because of, exactly said, broadcast anywhere from a small screen to any dumb screen and it's no longer a television uh, yeah. broadcaster that, that makes the money. It's, it's Shazam. It's, it's, it could be guys like uh, YY or, or RevCloud, but it's, it's not going to be the broadcasters. Yeah. And that's a bad sign. Right. That's a bad sign for content if, if we're the best you can get. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you're interested, RevCloud.net, R-E-V-Cloud.net, or uh, it's either YY or WeWee, but it's uh, com. Uh, go and check those guys out if you're interested. Um, and I'm interested to see the results from, from Vodafone. So hopefully we'll be able to find some results. Somebody will do a case study on that. Hint. Maybe a C if you should do that. All right. Our last, uh, our last story. Oh. Oh. Foursquare. Should we even, should we even do this story? <laughs> I don't know. Every time we talk about Foursquare, it seems to be something negative. And, and unfortunately... Uh, you know, this one hit my radar this week, and I, I couldn't ignore it. I had, I had to bring it up. And, and So we all know Foursquare as this company that started off as a check-in company that invented the check-ins or, you know, pioneered the check-ins. And, and for a long time, that was, or for a long time in the business world, that was a their, their raison d'etre. And then they decided that the check-ins weren't, uh, weren't sufficient, so they decided to get into the discovery business, which everybody was in. And But all the announcements that we've seen over the last number of months have been around check-ins again and here is another perfect example of a confusing business model where they say we're giving up on the check-ins we're going into discovery but then they sign this deal with with uh deezer which is uh, you know they organize concerts and you get benefit for checking into seven or more concerts it's like these guys are 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 so confused about what it is that they do like it's this hand doesn't even know what the fuck is going on with this hand and they're like we are discovery. No, we are checking. We are discovery. We are checking. It's like boom, boom, boom. And and in the meantime, what what's happening with their brand is is mass confusion. And this is a perfect example of that. And I think I'm being nice right now because I I haven't gone off on a total tangent. Like, what is this, Asif? Why why in God's name are they doing this? This is a last minute gasp for any kind of revenue, you know, brand relationship that they can find. I mean, people are abandoning Foursquare left, right, and center, from what I can tell. I mean, people I knew who were like the biggest Foursquare users, you know, two years ago, you know, are haven't used it for like you know months and months yeah. now. Like, um, it, 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 they're getting drop off in users. Uh, the brands are sitting there going, "Why? Um, you know, why should we bother? Nobody cares about you know badges. Nobody ever cared about badges. Uh, and here we have, you know, we're back to." You know, check-ins again. Uh, in this, as you rightly, uh, you know, uh, alluded to here with this Deezer thing, and, and even even the this specific partnership here is you got to check into seven concerts, seven concerts to get free content. Like, give me a break. People. That's like it's like, like five hundred bucks. Yeah, like 
I mean, who's going to do yeah. that, right? I don't get it. And these are, you know, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, you know, the, the use case, this specific use case is just ridiculous. Like, I, I can't see, you know, anybody doing this. Who came up with seven um, concerts? Like, seven. I hope Foursquare is getting paid something for this because it, it, this is, you know, like, like if it's based on, on actual, like, activity and users, <laughs> like they better be getting a lump sum payment on this one because this this is just well. I think of I think of um, you know the Barclays Center in uh, in Brooklyn, and this is a very connected, connected, connected uh, sports uh, facility. And you know they've got their own applications, and and uh, the Brooklyn Nets play there as a basketball team, and they've got their own application, and they work uh, simultaneously. They work so well together that it's like when you're in the Barclays Center. And you launch your Nets app, it's, it gives you all of the Barclays stuff around it. And when you're at home, it, it doesn't give you all that stuff. And when you're in the Barclays Center and a Nets game is on, you launch the Barclays Center app. And it gives you all the Nets stats and stuff. It works so well together. It's like intertwined. And it's like, and, and that kind of immersive experience, uh, you know what? Uh, I will use something like that inside of a, inside of a venue, a store, or a, uh, a concert, or a sports facility. But I will not use Foursquare if they force me to check in seven times to get any benefit. There's no value for anybody in any of this. When I'm there, I want value immediately. Give me something then, there. Start selling me some merchandise. Start selling me tickets. Allow me to download the song that's playing over the air. Allow me to download the, the live version of this. What they're doing is they're just jamming this old business model into a ridiculous offering and like if this is the best they can do my yeah. god like but, but, but e e even the specifics of this don't make sense to me i mean it, it's like they're trying to make an argument that people who spend money and go to concerts you know um are, are the right target market for deezer's subscription service yeah, that doesn't make sense. and so if you go to seven concerts we're going to give you a, a three-month free subscription service whoopee like, 30 bucks no it's 10 bucks a month so I'm going to spend 500 bucks to go to concerts to get a 30, you know, $30. Uh, yeah. So we, we should explain, we should explain that Deezer is like a, like an RDO uh, service, yeah. right? So they don't, they don't organize the concerts. They're, they're just a music provider. Um, and yeah, it, it's crazy. It, like, it, like it doesn't make any sense no. from a message perspective. No. Now, I mean, content as a reward for doing something is a great, it is. right. Yeah. Uh, you know, giving you a piece of music for checking in somewhere or whatever, like, but don't make people jump through hoops. Give me a live version. Yeah, like, give me a, co a recording of the live version of the show. Yeah. Give me something, yeah. right? Um, you know, I've got a story I'm going to talk about next week that's really cool that Unilever's been doing uh, around, you know, actually delivering content uh, with almost no hurdle in a very, very cool brand experience. So stay tuned for that one next week. But, the opposite of uh, this. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had some experience with, uh, with, uh, with Foursquare and, and I've tried to give them pass them on relationships, and uh, the hubris is still there, regardless of what what everybody thinks. Is that the the hubris is there, and they turn down business, and um, and I I, I just scratch my head quite often. Is that they they feel that they can do it all, and and uh, clearly whoever's making these decisions um, is not making the right decisions at this point because they're confusing their brand if they still do have a brand. And and we're not the, alone here. When I listen to guys like uh, Leo Laporte and um, his entire Twitter uh, network, is that he, they question the the validity of this business from the get go, and they're still questioning it two and a half years, three years later. And and we certainly are. And you know, but yeah. nobody's proven us wrong. Nobody nobody's come out. Nobody from Foursquare has defended this and saying this is what our strategy is. So in that instance, we go with a vacuum of knowledge, which they might have, but we don't have as the media and the, and the people who comment on this. And, and when we see announcements like this, we just get frustrated because 
this is this is not what they 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 talk about it over here and then they display with this uh, and and this is not a business that they're making here and uh who's going to spend five hundred dollars on seven concerts to get thirty dollars worth of free music and boy and there's no value there so if you're still interested in this <laughs> well good good luck enjoy the, enjoy yeah. the seven shows that's what we'll say or you could just spend five bucks a month on rdo and and not have to go to the shows there you go Done. We always end on the Foursquare. Those are the six stories. Uh, great, great guest, uh, <laughs> uh, Lyndon Skeens uh, from Thumb Vista. Uh, we got one more piece of business, which is this great resource. Uh, here is, uh, it's, it's just titled Location-Based Marketing. And if you have never heard of this, if you have no comprehension of uh, what location-based marketing is, or, or you want to start somewhere, this is a pretty incredible infographic, right? This is like 101. Yeah, it is, and, and and there's still a lot of people out there who you know we oh, we live yeah. and breathe this stuff every every day every week. But there's still a lot of people who are just coming into location based marketing. So here's an infographic. It's up on the LVMA site under uh, vlvma.com forward slash research. Uh, you can grab it there. It's the, it's the latest resource there under the research tab. Um, yeah, it's it's one on one. It's got you know 30 percent of marketers are using mobile coupons. 22 billion dollars was spent on mobile advertising last year. Uh, compared to three billion in 2010, I mean, it, it, it's got some 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 interesting numbers in here, um, you know, and, and yeah, it's all there. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I like is the tactics that they give at the end. So they talk about mobile optimized yes. website, social media integration, Google Places. It tells you just kind of like do these things, just one thing, right? So mobile optimized website. Start here. Go here. Yeah. Put your business in and places. Go here. Um, you know do a branded hashtag if you're so if you so choose um you know do offers even do check-ins uh, although i don't agree and localized content is very important as well so they give you these kind of uh, eight different things or nine different things that they go and do this right away and i think that this is a very good start and it's only a start this is not by any means the end of your location and your mobile or your marketing strategy this is the beginning but you should be doing these things so uh kudos yeah. so the lbma.com forward slash research uh, and this is, I guess, just labeled location-based marketing. So, yes. Yeah. So that was it. Our resource, six stories, uh, Linden Skeens, uh, a little bit of an app, observation around GPS, and we are out of time. Yes. That's it. But we will be back next week. I will be broadcasting live from the golf course. No. You should. Um, we should just go out on a cart and we'll do it. To overlooking the golf course like I do every year. Uh, we, will do, we will do that. There's some great stories coming up next week. I already got couple uh, really, really cool things to talk about. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And if you have any questions, I tell you, go to untether.tv forward slash talk. Leave us a voicemail. We will answer that question on the air live. Uh, if you want to do that, just go to untether.tv forward slash talk. If you'd like to leave a comment about any of these stories as well, that is the place to do it. And uh, if you would like to participate in, the, in one of these episodes as a guest, Reach out. We would love to have you on. If you'd like to sponsor the show, of course, we would welcome that as well. Uh, reach out any way you want. You can find me at robinontether.tv, asif at thelbma.com. We are all over Twitter. We are all over Facebook. We are all over LinkedIn. We are, we are completely and totally findable. Do so, and we will respond almost immediately. Almost immediately. Even, even Asif from the golf course will respond at that point. Um, but please reach out if there's anything that we can do. And with that, that's it. We'll see you next week for episode number 138 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Thanks for sticking around. Asif, enjoy your vacation, man. Thanks. See you next, see you next week.